What called us here this day? What called us to this community of justice, freedom, truth and love? What spoke to us amidst the noise of everyday life and told us that to gather in community and to attend to matters of the spirit is a valuable path to choose? As I welcome you to this community of Kensington Unitarians here at Essex Church, I invite you here to explore life's big questions, to give thanks, to seek understanding, to find comfort, to be both challenged and inspired. Here is a place for exploration. And what do each of us bring here this morning? I invite you to think for a moment of how you are feeling this day. What life issues have accompanied you? There is so much that we cannot change, much that has to be accepted and even endured in life. Yet here may we find a daily renewal, a fresh and loving awareness to bring to that which is. Here in this community may our hearts be blessed with compassion both for ourselves and for others as we share what it is to be human. May the light of truth illumine our minds. May the spark of love set our hearts on fire. And may the flame of freedom burn brightly within us, now and always. Welcome, welcome one and all. This isn't about Tyler at all, this story, but he's promised to be, to play the part of the king. He was greedy, not a very pleasant man at all. He had lots of gold, but you know, he wanted more, 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 more gold. So he decided that he would order his army to attack the neighboring kingdom and steal all their gold, can you imagine? So the king called all his soldiers into his courtyard and told them his plan. The soldiers agreed to obey his orders. They were a bit frightened of him. They drew their swords, they lifted their shields, and they marched off to battle. But the soldiers were not gone from the castle long before they began returning to that courtyard, and not one of the soldiers was carrying either a sword or a shield. What happened? shouted the king. What happened? I told you to go fight a battle. We were on our way, sire, when we came across an apple tree. And the tree spoke to us and it said, all the people of the earth are one family. Be wise and lay down your swords and shields and study war no more. And it seemed to us that the tree made sense. And so that is what we did. Well, the king was furious. This is getting to your part. And he vowed to get rid of the tree that had ruined his plans. He waited until midnight. He crept out of the castle, walked across the field until he came to that apple tree. He took his axe and he chopped it down. But he was still so cross with the tree that he stamped on it. He stamped on the fallen tree until it was crushed down into the earth. 
and then he walked back to the castle with a big smile on his face. So the next day, you can imagine the king ordered his soldiers to the courtyard. He gave them new swords and shields, told them to obey his orders and go attack that neighboring kingdom and bring back the gold. And those soldiers were so afraid, they did as they were told. But do you know what? Before long, they were back. They didn't have their swords and shield. And this made the king completely furious. I told you to go fight a battle. What happened? Well, we were on our way, said one of the soldiers, but we came to the spot where we saw that apple tree yesterday. And you wouldn't believe it, but there were 20 apple trees in its place. And they were all saying the same thing. All the people of the earth are one family. Be wise, lay down your swords and shields and study war no more. And the tree made sense to us. And so this is what they did. They came home. The king was red with anger now. He went rushing off. Those blasted trees, I'm going to sneak out. And he did. And he chopped down every single one of them. And he was so angry that he stamped on them. And they, till they disappeared into the earth. <gasps> ha! And he, the same thing happened again. This does go on a bit, actually. <laughs> okay. Just imagine the next few stages of this story. Imagine that the trees multiply each day. Until the day when that king went out to chop down the trees and he saw the mightiest of forests, all of apple trees. And he knew at that point that he could not cut down a mighty forest like that. And he began to cry and scream because he was not a man that liked to be thwarted at all. Can it be, he screamed, that a powerful king like myself can be stopped by a forest of trees? Are you asking me? came a voice from the castle. There he saw an old man leaning against the castle walls, hair and beard, long and gray, clothes well worn. Well, said the king, do you have an answer? If so, please tell me. Well, said the old man, seems to me that you are a very powerful king. Yes, indeed, I am, the king replied. And since you are so powerful, you can take any tree that offends you and chop it into little pieces and crush it into the ground. You're quite right there, said the king. But, said the beggar, the apple tree spoke the truth. All the people of the earth are one family. You may be a powerful king, but there is no king on earth more powerful than the truth. For truth crushed at the earth will rise again. And that's the story of the apple tree of truth. Thank you, King. As uh, various people have intimated in, uh, in lighting candles of joy and concern today, there is an awful lot going on at the present, isn't there? personal matters in people's lives alongside the global issues that are so in the news. And in order to lead into our time of prayer and reflection, I thought I should almost gather some of these issues together for us, though I know you'll be as aware of them as I am. Um, we're marking the 100-year anniversary of the start of the Battle of the Somme, as uh, countries of Europe remember the horrors of the First World War. We'll be thinking of uh, those caught in the attack in Bangladesh, the, the young police recruits 
attacked in Afghanistan this week. Those injured and killed in the attack on Istanbul airport, the increasingly large numbers of people who have apparently been killed and injured by bombs last night in Baghdad, the ongoing rise in racist hate crime here in Britain, the turmoil amidst some of our country's leaders and, and all the other issues. Let's bring everything into this time of prayer as I call on the spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we do and say together here this day. Let each of us align ourselves with our understanding of the divine, the God of our hearts and our understanding. And may all the joys and sorrows of humanity be held in quiet acknowledgement that this is what it is to be human. We hold both high ideals and base instincts. We are capable of making mistakes, of being thoughtless or intentionally cruel. We try to crush the truth when we do not like what we hear. <coughs> May our foolishness be forgiven. We are capable of such sweet kindness, of life-enhancing vision and great good sense. May we find ways to express our potential to work together to improve life here on earth. May we create together the world of our dreams, the world of the warm heart, the open mind, the adventurous spirit. And may we be reminded that there is so much more to reality and truth than our limited perspectives can usually comprehend. May we be a community that cares, that heals hurt lives, that comforts and challenges, that places no barriers between people, but rather offers a welcome to all. And may we, by our example, inspire courage and hope for living, creating together a place of welcome for all people here in our community and out in our city and our country. May we be helped to take one more step towards a just and humane way of living. And in a few moments of shared silence now, let each of us consider the one more step that might be asked of us in life. And may this be so, for the greater good of all. Amen. I've, um, I've probably shared this thought experiment with you before. You think of some aspect of human existence, can be anything, and then imagine who thought of it first. If we think of walls and we think of bridges, when and how might that first bridge and that first wall have been created? I was walking along a flooded towpath by a canal yesterday 
and somebody had thoughtfully put an old branch from a tree across the muddiest bit so that we could all teeter across it and not get our boots so muddy. And I reckon those earliest bridges, they would have been branches and tree trunks or reeds placed across an expanse of water or mud. But walls, walls, was the first impulse for wall building trying to keep something in or to keep something out? Walls can keep us safe and they also divide and separate. In a moment, we're going to hear Anthony read a poem called Mending Wall by American poet Robert Frost. It's a beautiful, thoughtful, quite complex on first hearing meditation on human wall building based on Frost and his neighbours' annual meeting to rebuild the wall between their fields. The poem explores Frost's thought that there is something that does not love a wall. Such a, such a marvellous line, that. There is something that does not love a wall. Alongside his neighbours, equally valid assertion that good fences make good neighbours. Thank you, Anthony. Mending Wall by Robert Frost. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that sends the frozen groundswell under it and spills the upper boulders in the sun and makes gaps even two can pass abreast. The work of hunters is another thing. I have come after them and made repair where they have left not one, not one stone on a stone. But they would have the rabbit out of hiding to please the yelping dogs, the gaps I mean. No one has seen them made or heard them made, but at spring mending time we find them there. I let my neighbour know beyond the hill, and on a day we meet to walk the line and set the wall between us once again. We keep the wall between us as we go, to each the boulders that have fallen to each, and some are loaves and some so nearly balls we have to use a spell to make them balance. Stay where you are until our backs are turned. We wear our fingers rough with handling them. Oh, just another outdoor game, one on a side. It comes to little more. There where it is, we do not need the wall. He is all pine and I am apple orchard. My apple trees will never get across to eat the cones and under his pines, I tell him. He only says, good fences make good neighbours. Spring is the mischief in me, and I wonder if I could put a notion in his head. Why do they make good neighbours? Isn't it where there are cows? But there are no cows. Before I built a wall, I'd ask to know who, what I was walling in or walling out, and to whom I was like to give offence. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that wants it down. I could say elves to him. But it's not elves exactly, and I'd rather he said it for himself. I see him there, bringing a stone grasped firmly by the top in each hand, like an old stone savage armed. He moves in darkness, as it seems to me, not of woods only and the shade of trees. He will not go beyond his father's saying, and he likes having thought of it so well. He says again, good fences make good neighbours. I, um, 
I guess you f you are feeling similarly to me in 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 that every time I hear a report of a racist incident of hate crime here in Britain committed by one group or an individual against another individual or group, I feel deeply ashamed. The thought that there are people in our land who will shout at others or put nasty messages through a letterbox or daub it on a wall or physically assault someone because because they're speaking with a particular accent or language or have a skin of a particular colour or heaven help us throw a petrol bomb into someone else's shop and destroy their livelihood. All this troubles me and I know you greatly. The potential for such violence lies here in the human heart. It's there within each of us, I believe. It always exists, but the recent campaigning on the issue of Britain's membership of the European Union and the majority vote that we should leave the EU seems to have triggered violent responses within some sectors of our society. I have a friend and ministry colleague, Wynne Thomas, who is minister to six congregations, heaven help him, in Wales. As chairperson of the Unitarians in Wales this week, he made the following statement, which I think speaks for us all. He wrote, following various deeply worrying events over the past few days, I call on Unitarians and our supporters in Wales and further afield to put our values and our ethos into practice. We are at a point in our history as a nation when freedom, reason and tolerance are needed more than ever within the communities we serve. We must use our democratic and moral freedom to express our opinions publicly and without fear of reprisal. We must use our reason to take every opportunity to question everything we hear in this uncertain political climate. And we must, above all else, exercise tolerance in our dealings with all people. Let us celebrate the wonderful and awe-inspiring variety of our communities, challenging xenophobia, racism, homophobia and political hatred wherever we encounter it. Unitarians have a rich history of fighting social justice. Let us embrace that history and take a stand for our future. Words from the Reverend Wynne Thomas, uh, Minister with Welsh Unitarians. In our community here at Essex Church, I like to think of us as truth seekers, exploring our own faith and sharing that respectfully with others. Such a, an approach recognises, doesn't it, that we all have different views and opinions based on our differing life experiences and thought processes. We recognise, don't we, the unfolding and nuanced nature of truth when we explore our faith. But we also know well that for some people, faith is a clear and certain matter, a place where there can be right beliefs and wrong beliefs. Now, when it comes to the world of politics, perhaps it has always been the case that political leaders hold their ideal ideas as correct and therefore all other views as wrong, as incorrect. Potential leaders vying for power and followers will put forward their vision of how the world might be if their approach was followed. Yet in a world as complex as ours, should we be requiring more of our leaders? 
Should we be requiring them to be aware of how their statements might be interpreted by some of their listeners? A friend living on a troubled housing estate described how some of their neighbours genuinely thought that the day after the referendum, immigrants would be rounded up and sent home. This is an area of economic deprivation where a string of austerity budget cuts have hit really, really hard. And many of us are far too aware that it was the depression of the 1920s that led to the rise of fascist movements in the 1930s across Europe. And as, as you said earlier, Carol, police here in Britain are reporting a five-fold increase in hate crimes reported to them. The reasons for such crimes are many, but some of their roots stem from individual and collective pain that life is not how people would wish it to be. In a rich nation like ours, there are too many people struggling to survive. It feels like there is not enough to go around when surely there could be. Not enough jobs, not enough houses, not enough places in schools or seats in a hospital waiting room, whatever the issue is. Well, little wonder then that some people will seek to blame the other, the stranger in their midst, will feel their own pain and not know what to do with it and attempt to hurt others. Theologian Karen Armstrong's words have been with me this last week when she suggests that we look into your own heart, discover what it is that gives you pain, and then refuse under any circumstances whatsoever to inflict that pain on anybody else. But don't most of us know that actually when we're hurting, one of our immediate reactions is to flail out at others in a desperate attempt to ease the pain we're feeling. Much has been written about post-factual politics, post-truth politics. Indeed, there seems to be a willful disregard for truth in much political campaigning at present. We perhaps could also argue that it has always been thus. What may be different in our modern age is the role of online media. It's such a speedy way to spread lies and to whip up distress. Yet online media can also provide us a way to check facts and to assert the truth. I mentioned the sobering 100th anniversary of the start of the Battle of the Somme. Lasted for 141 days, as I'm sure you know, led to over a million deaths on all sides, many more life-changing injuries affecting not only, of course, the individuals concerned, but their families, their communities. It was decades before the truth about the ineptitude in leadership and decision-making that led to that battle, and many others like it, was revealed to the public as a whole. People did not dare speak out against their leaders. On Wednesday, here in Britain, we will finally get to hear the findings of the Chilcot report into our part in the Iraq war. Well, it'll be no surprise to any of us, I suspect, to hear that the decision-making was flawed, that too little thought was given to post-war reconstruction, that the voice of experts on Arab politics and society was ignored, and that a conviction that their view was the only correct one led politicians on either side of the Atlantic to proceed far too quickly, with far too little concern for the consequences of their actions. 
it's going to make for yet more depressing news. And yet I'm going to hold on to a glimmer of hope because the Chilcot report, for all its delays, is a small triumph for truth seekers and indeed for democracy. Its findings could have remained secret under official secrets rules, but instead they are going to be published for those with stamina to wade through 12 volumes to read in full. Most of us will be relying on our news media to distill the report's findings for us. And as we read those reports in the little sound bites that we so often exist on these days, let's be ever aware that real life is complex, nuanced, and rarely has clear baddies and goodies. Let's be people who try to stick with real life, real people, real problems, and keep moving towards love, compassion, and truth in our daily living in our speaking and our listening and in the way we treat others. And let's work tirelessly to create the kind of world community that represents the best we might be. Amen. If, if here we have found truth, then let us offer it humbly onwards to the world. If here we have found love, then let us pass that warmth to another before this day is done. If here we have found inspiration, then may it flourish within us that its blessing may bring fresh insight and possibility in the days to come. Amen. Go well and blessed be.